everybody, Andy Hamilton of Track Wrestling coming to you for another breakdown of the Track Wrestling Rankings with the Emperor of the Track Wrestling Rankings himself, David Mirkatani. David, how are things going today? It's good, Andy. Great weekend of wrestling. Excited to talk about it and what's coming up this week. Well, yeah, we got a ton to talk about today. Big changes in the track wrestling top 10, a huge shakeup at the top at 133 pounds. Picture is starting to get cleared up a little bit for the NWCA D1 National Duels Championship Series. And we got some more big duels and individual matches on the docket for this weekend. Let's start this thing, but first by taking a run through this week's rankings. Beginning with the top 10 in the team race, Oklahoma State pads its lead over number two Penn State. Cowboys are up to a projected total of 113.5 points for placement and advancement points. That's a season high for Oklahoma State and nine more than the Nittany Lions. Ohio State moves back up to number three, leaping over Iowa. The Hawkeyes are now followed by Virginia Tech, Nebraska, Missouri, Michigan, Cornell, and Minnesota rounding out the top 10. Switching over to the individual rankings at 125 pounds. The top nine all remain the same, and then things get a little fuzzy after that. Number 10, Gabe Townsell lost and dropped to number 14. Ohio State's Jose Rodriguez got majored on Sunday. He's had a rough couple weeks here. He's down to number 19 now. Let's talk about his case for a minute, David. you got a guy who was seconds away from beating Joey Dance in the finals in Vegas a month and a half ago, and now he's gotten thumped a couple times in a row here, and the, and the waters have really gotten muddied after the first 10 anyway. I can't imagine it was easy trying to figure out who went where here, particularly with Jose Rodriguez. You're correct. And it's really after the first nine, we got Dylan Peters at 10, you know, who was sick at uh, Scuffle. You know, Josh Terrell, who probably has the best performance against Gilman this year. Uh, Piccinini, who, you know, got handled by Gilman this weekend. Crazer, who's had an up-and-down season. Townsell, who came in at first ram and started well and took a loss. Guys like Barlow McGee, who struggled. Marcus Simmons lost to an unranked guy to lose the duel. Rodriguez, some of these guys have smaller variants. Rodriguez has huge variants, and I guess what I mean by that is his ceiling is really high. I mean, if he doesn't collar tie uh, dance in the last six, five seconds, he wins that and was would have been ranked really high at the time, and then he's had some puzzling losses, so... I mean, we keep track of where these guys are ranked, and we hit them at 23 and then 25 and up to 11 and up to 9 and out of 19, and it's it's been kind of a yo-yo for him, but he's in a great room. He's training with great guys. I'm sure they'll probably figure it out. And, you know, guys that root for dark horses, he's a guy that could certainly fit that bill. You know, we mentioned Joey Dance there. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to look at him over the weekend, I thought he looked really good at the Virginia Duels controlling mm-hmm. things in a 5-3 win against number four, Josh Rodriguez of North Dakota State. You can check out that match for free on track wrestling. Uh, Dance was also on his way to a major against Oklahoma's Christian Moody when he scored a fall there in a match that sparked the Hokies on their way to the Virginia Duels championship there. At 133 pounds, Ohio State's Nathan Tomasello takes over as the new number one. First time this year that we've had a change at the top of any of the individual rankings. 
Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's Cade Brock surges up to number two after the win Sunday against Iowa's Corey Clark, who drops from one to three. Michigan's Stephen Michich scored four takedowns Sunday in a 13-7 win against Eric Montoya of Nebraska. He climbs up to number five while Montoya slides from three to six. And Zane Richards, who lost by major decision Sunday against Tomasello, he slides from four to seven. The top three here were probably pretty easy to slot, but I can't imagine that four through eight, uh, that, that that was easy to put together, David. Correct. And what's interesting is 9 through 25, for the most part, didn't change at all. And normally, that's where you and I spend most of our time. There's just micro movement at the top. Um, And you're right. Tomasello has to be one. And Brock has to be two. And Clark, you know, was a second and change away from overtime. So he has to be three. And then it gets complicated. Gross has only lost to Montoya. Misik has two losses plus that puzzling loss to Fitzgerald earlier in the year, but just beat Montoya and got all the takedowns. Uh, Zane's lost to Montoya and then, you know, lost to Tomasello pretty handily. And probably the guy that loses out of this whole deal is Dom Forrest. He drops and didn't do anything wrong, but that's just how it goes. So um, we talked about this the week before that if Cade Brock won and everything else shook out, then he could end up number one. And, you know, he came close. You know, if Tomasello had lost to Richards, he would have been one. Um, you know, you and I had a spirited conversation at the beginning of the year about whether Tomasello or Clark should be one. And I still think the winner of that Big Ten is, is, is going to be a big play here. And we'll talk later, but Brock and Gross go this weekend. So how the seeding going to shake out is super, super interesting to me. For sure. And moving on to 141 pounds, Stanford's Joey McKenna down Princeton's Matthew Kalodzik in a battle of Blair Academy alums. So those guys trade places at three and four. Lehigh's Randy Cruz lost to Navy's Jared Prince on Friday, but uh, David, you left him at 11, and you made a pretty good case for why you left him there. Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, it, it really comes down to he's got the best win, and it's not even really close of any of the guys, really anybody not ranked one or two. I mean, he beat Kevin Jack, and he's got some puzzling losses, and he's not clearly wrestling great right now, but, but there's no formula. There's not like you go, okay, you get plus two for this and minus three for that. It's It's... You know, the people that I talk to about this, they go, how do you do it? And it really is an art based in science. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're you're splitting hairs and you're trying to figure things out. And it just didn't seem right that Randy Cruz would drop below Topher Carton or drop below Colton McChrystal or drop below Gulliban, who have just as many puzzling losses and no elite wins, and that's a super elite win. I mean, Kevin Jack looks like he's ready to make the national finals, and that's an elite win. So I, he he bought himself some time in that spot, and you could almost argue he should be above Ironman based on that win. But, you know, we left him at 10, and we'll, we'll see what happens this week. There's a lot of wrestling still to be done. You mentioned elite wins at 149 pounds. Oklahoma State's Anthony Colick has certainly had one on Sunday. He downs Iowa's Brandon Sorensen by virtue of a two-second riding time advantage in the tiebreakers. 
So they flip-flopped. Kalka goes up to two. Sorensen slides to three. Wyoming's Cole Mendenhall, who got off to such a great start this season, he got majored against South Dakota State's Alex Kocher. Mendenhall falls from 11 to 23. At 157 pounds, the top seven all remain the same, and then things got really scrambled after that. North Dakota State's Clayton Ream, who had a tough Midlands, he bounces back and has a great tournament at the Virginia Duels. He knocks off Sal Mastriani of Virginia Tech, Josh Shields of Arizona State, Andrew Atkinson of Virginia. Ream goes from 17 back up to 9. Oklahoma's Clark Glass comes down from 165 pounds, and he cracks the rankings at 157 at number 10. Uh, David, you left Shields at number 7. Um, I imagine that probably some of the same logic that went into leaving Randy Cruz at where he was at 141 comes into play here, right? Yeah, most definitely. Body of work, we talked about it. I think Arizona State's guys have wrestled the most matches in the country. They've had their starters in for the most part almost all these events. So they got guys like 25, 30 matches, it looks like, when you look at you know their body of work on track wrestling. And so I think he deserved to stay there. You know, it would have been tough to bump Murphy up, who really would have been the next in line because he got pinned. I mean, granted, he got pinned by Tyler Berger, but he got pinned. Clayton Ream, it's funny. I know that kid. I coached him in an all-star team. I actually talked to his high school coach, Jason Moore, last night. And I had him at seven going into Midlands, and I almost want to call him because I know him and tell him he screwed the rankings up for me by having one bad week. And then wrestling really, really well. So he he, he feels like a seven through ten kind of guy, and that's how he wrestled this weekend. So you know, we talked about it when he dipped that he's going to have a chance to bounce right back. And I mean, he had so many head to heads with top guys that made it pretty simple to to put him where he is. And I mean, he's right knocking on the doorstep, and he's a kid that. He wrestles really hard. He's he's not the most talented guy, but he's in great shape and he wrestles hard. And he's a guy that will wrestle hard on the backside of the bracket. So I I, if, I think he belongs where he is now at nine. We talk about guys that are tough to rank. And then there's the guy that's been the hardest of them all to rank this year, probably. And that's Minnesota's Jake Short. And and he's a guy that you look at our spreadsheet, David, and he's kind of bounced all over the map at, at 157 pounds. Um, you know, has such a tremendous tournament out in Vegas and and surges up the board, uh, has some, some head-scratching losses um, in between. I think, you know, he went from 24, or 24 down to 23 to 12 to 9. He stayed at 9 for three weeks. He lost a couple times. He falls to 13. He's down to 18 this week. Um, what do you think that uh, – what are we seeing there from Jake Short? That, that uh, Have you noticed anything <laughs> with him that, that – uh, I mean, it seems like he's capable of beating some of these guys that are, are, are near the bottom of, of that All-American cut line. And uh, um, he's also capable of uh, – you know, losing matches to guys that are down in the 20 to 25 range. What do you make of the season he's had so far? High ceiling, low basement, right? And it'll be really interesting if he, you know, obviously a lot of it will depend on how hot he gets for Big 12 or Big 10, excuse me, the qualifying tournament. But let's say he just has an average qualifying tournament and places, say, behind Kemmer, Berger, Murphy, you know, 
Sabe places behind Van Brill and takes like fifth, something like that. And he's right on that, you know, we've got him at 18, but other people have him ranked a little higher in some cases. And he's either like, you know, ranked, gets a C to like 14, 15, 16, or, or God forbid gets drawn in. I don't think you want to wrestle that guy the first two rounds. I, I mean, the problem sure. is his consistency. And so, you know, right, I mean, definitely, right? And so it, it's hard to know if he can put together two solid days. Everybody talks about three days. You need two great days to be an All-American. You know, the third day you just got to weigh in, and then you're, you're an All-American. Can he put together two great days? Maybe, maybe not. But that dude can put seven minutes together, and I don't think you'd want to be any of those guys in the top six and draw him in the round of 16 or, God forbid, in the first round. That's, you know, everybody kind of likes to have a match that feels like a warm-up match, and he ain't it. I mean, that, yeah. that would be yeah. rough. Yeah. And and you talk about guys that, uh, you know, could go all over the map here in terms of seedings. One of the things that's going to be really interesting to me is seeing where Dylan Palacio of Cornell falls. You're talking about a returning All-American, a guy who started the year uh, ranked number two, uh, did not compete in the first semester at 157 pounds, uh, supposed to return for the Southern Scuffle, and then he doesn't compete. He comes back Friday at 165 pounds. He slides into the rankings this week at number 12. What do you think we're going to see from Dylan Palacio going forward? I don't know. I don't even know if he's going to be at 65. I mean, they had Womack there, who who is having a good season, and I, I saw dual results like you did. They bumped Womack up and they bumped Rio Buto up, but I don't. I didn't look to see what they weighed in at. But you know, they may very well have just weighed in and, and wrestled up. You know, I know we did that as coaches. You know, to not screw up their weight dissension. But if if Dylan weighed in at close to 165, then you know he he could basically only lose about two and a half pounds a week. So it's going to be four weeks till he can get down. That I don't know. I mean, you will see, right? And uh-huh. but he's a dangerous dude, and he's dangerous from a lot of positions. I mean, he's kind of like, you know, like Nickel was against uh, Rutgers the other night. Like, you know, they're so good in certain spots where they can get two, they wait and pin you. So he's yeah. another guy you don't want to draw into first round. I mean, if somehow him and Chandler Rogers wrestled, he set the over under at about twenty five points or a pin, right? I mean, those guys, <laughs> that just would be fireworks like crazy for sure, yeah. So he's another interesting guy. He's tough to figure, and you just kind of do the best you can. Him and Minotti, we, him, Minotti, and, and De La Riva right there are guys where it's kind of hard to figure out where they go, and we're really looking for more data points to, to see if we have them ac- accurately ranked or if we need to make adjustments. At 174 pounds, North Carolina's Ethan Ramos defeated Iowa State's Leland Weatherspoon, so they trade places at 8-9 at 184. Iowa's Sam Brooks posted a major decision win against then number four, Nolan Boyd of Oklahoma State. Brooks moves up from 6-4. to four. Boyd falls from 4-7. to seven. You mentioned Bo Nickel. Sam Brooks and Bo Nickel are going to go at it Friday night. That one should be a lot of fun, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I think so, right? And, I mean, Brooks is coming in with a lot of momentum. Nichols coming in with a lot of momentum. So that's definitely going to make a big difference or, you know, make, make for an exciting match. Sammy Brooks, I, I read 
his interview or, or what he said about Nolan Boyd, and I thought it was really classy. He's like, I like that guy. He goes hard, you know, none of the, you know, no junk talk and just getting after it. And I, I have a feeling that that's how it's going to be against uh, against Nickel. They're going to just go. And, you know, somebody's probably going to get put on their back at least once. And it really wouldn't yeah. surprise me. I mean, you know, I was talking to my, my dad earlier about how Nolf wrestles. I'm like, that guy doesn't care if he gets taken down. He's going to take you down six times. It's just how it goes. So I, I can't wait to watch that match, you know. So it, it'll be good to see. Um, that tool's interesting. I know we're going to get into that. But just Jimmy Brooks is, is wrestling like a, like a dude possessed this year, and it's it's fun to watch. At 197 pounds, no changes in the top 24. At heavyweight, the top nine all remain the same. Stanford's Nathan Butler took a couple losses over the weekend. He slides from 10 to 16. So we've done a little bit of this to this point already, but, but David, let's rewind to last weekend and just recap it all here. Where do you want to start? What do you want to talk about? Well, I guess, if, you know, maybe let's talk about Virginia duels. You know, Virginia Tech, look, I, you know, I read your write-up, and they look great at five weights, right? I mean, look, they're batting leadoff, and then the last four cleanup, they look really good. If they can get some things done in the middle, they're they're scary. Arizona State wrestled really well in the weights that they have. I mean, they need to get Nazer back at 33 and get Villarreal, get, you know, get his feet wet and get him some matches at 41, but they got a good tournament team. You know, they can go deep at about three or four weights at least. And uh, Oklahoma continues to improve. I mean, Lou Rizzelli's doing a great job there. So, and they made some lineup adjustments, right? They brought Glass down to 57, moved Mejia's up to 65. I mean, they actually, Dwayland Barnes, you know, had a good first half of the year, and he's not in the lineup now. They got Moody in at 25, who's wrestling well. Uh, Brad Johnson had a good win. So, you know, they're wrestling well. Um, when you do, you know, what we do, what I do from the rankings point of view, you don't get to sit and just watch a duel, but I got to watch the duel Sunday, Iowa-Oklahoma State, and we could probably talk about that for an hour. So, you know, what, where do you, where, what did you find interesting about watching that duel? Well, I think it, uh, you know, when we talked about it a week ago, um, we talked about how many matches could be completely up for grabs and look at how many of them really were. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, 33 comes down to one second, basically, of uh, of writing time. Um, huh? You know, and we could, we, could, we could talk for an hour probably just on 133 <laughs> pounds. Yeah. But, uh, you know, um, uh, Topher Carton, uh, he he made Dean Heil earn it for sure at 141 pounds. Uh-huh. And, and Sorensen and Kalika comes down to two seconds of writing time. And Smith and... And Kemmer was a tremendous match. Um, you know, 74, Meyer and, and uh, uh, Meyer and Crutchmer got after it. There was there was a lot of action in that match. You, you knew that Boyd and Brooks were going to make things happen. Um, you know, and then heavyweight, uh, just a, a clash of styles. I mean, a guy that uh, controls the center of the mat and, and Sam Stoll and then uh, – a uh, guy in Austin Schaefer that's outweighed by a substantial amount. I think 46 pounds. I think was what it uh, what the difference was. Something along those lines. And and uh, um, guy that finds a way to get a couple takedowns and, and win the mat wins the match late. I th- I thought it was a tremendous dual meet. I'd I'd like to see uh, like to see it, it 
you know, a, a best of three, best of five, even just because, you know, it was 24 to 11, but, but it was a, it was a close 24 to 11. Um, right. It was a tremendously entertaining 24 to 11. And, and uh-huh. uh, um, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed watching it. It was great. It was great. I mean, you know, just, I guess my, I thought Gilman was really methodical. It just like he was zeroing in on getting the eight point spread and did it. 33 was crazy. I thought there were some crazy calls. I thought the PD when, you know, Clark was on top. I don't know why they stopped it there. Um, you know, 41, I saw Coach Smith. He's not happy about Kyle giving up a takedown late. And I'm sure that won't happen again if they can help it. 49, that affects seating a lot. You know, it really does. Um, you know, and, and you want to be on the bottom half of the bracket. So that'll be interesting. Um, 57, one takedown to none. Uh, you know, Smith's got to get to more attacks. He's got to create more scrambles. But, you, you know, the the hype on Kemmer, and you're in Iowa, the hype is, is real. And I know we're going to talk about what's coming up Friday night, but the hype is real so far. Uh, 65, Rogers, you know, kind of had the one mismatch of the meet and went out and got, you know, huge bonus points. 74, you talked about. 84, Brooks broke that match open. In 97 kind of went the way we thought it would. And heavyweight, I think Austin Schaefer might be the most improved guy in Division One this year. I mean, that guy wasn't even in the lineup last year, had had some disciplinary issues, and he's killing it now. And he, he's not – he didn't have any lucky wins. He's beaten a lot of good yeah. guys. I mean, he beat Krells. He lost to Casper, beat Stoll. I mean, he, he, he beat Nathan – you know, or beat Ross Larson, excuse me. I mean, that guy's legit, and I mean, big, big time wins, and he looks like he expects to win, and that's probably the hardest thing to get a guy to think as a senior that hasn't even been in the lineup. Like he didn't even looks surprised that he won. Yeah, but, and you look at it, you look at that dual meet on paper. If you rewind about three or four months ago, I mean, outside yeah. of twenty five, you're probably penciling in heavyweight uh, sure. as you know as probably the second best chance for an Iowa win in that dual meet and and for to your point yeah I mean you you look at the most improved guys in the country if if Schaefer is not the most he's certainly on the short list for sure yeah you know that dual meet brings up a, a couple things from a, a rule standpoint that, that are pretty interesting you know that have been discussion points here for a long time um, writing time you know you mm-hmm. think about how many times during the year you know, do you know just just the Clark Brock thing, and and we saw it uh, in, in a match Friday night in the Penn State uh, Rutgers duel. I believe it was 174 with with you know a writing time discussion. You know the the clock there was teetering on on a minute versus 59 seconds when 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 it was uh, winding down in the final minute. So that that came into play there. You just wonder how many times. Um, that that the clock gets started too fast or gets started too um, too slow and too and slow how many or the times wrong way see, or the wrong way how many times does that get screwed up throughout the season that, that cost guys matches now um, you know if writing time wasn't wasn't a factor in that duel if if writing time wasn't in college wrestling Cade Brock still wins the match anyway um, but uh, I'm just kind of curious from your standpoint well what are your thoughts on writing time is it something you like do you think it adds to college wrestling or is it something that, that you'd like to see done away with? 
I don't, I don't know. It's, I, I know this. When we coached at regionals and nationals, we had two coaches in the corner, and one coach was always assigned to watch the riding time as soon as a guy got a takedown, a reversal, anything. Because I've seen it where they run it the wrong way, like for four seconds, and so then they give you four seconds back, and you go, no, no, it's an eight-second swing. You took, mm-hmm. you gave that guy four. And it, it, it's like you're doing algebra with these people, and they don't understand the screw-up. And you're like, you know, and then it, it, that's really bad if your guy's in better shape because now they're letting the other guy catch a blow. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, my dad told me when, when he coached, that he, you know, a long time ago, it used to be a minute point for every minute. So that, you know, I mean, I don't know. There's something to, you know, folk style is more about control. You know, freestyle is about exposure. Greco is about exposure. You know, like jiu-jitsu is about submissions. You know what I mean? So if you believe in control, I guess riding time counts. I don't know if you just go, look, we're just going to give riding time. Whoever ends up with more riding time is going to get a point, period, even if it's one second. And maybe that would just, then they could call stalling more on top if you're just hanging on. I don't know. I know whatever you do. Coaches are smart. They're going to game the strategy to still figure out a way to slow the match down and, and frustrate fans. I mean, that's what you do when you're coaching the guy who's not as good. Figure out a way to slow the scramble down and 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 try to win on, on strategy instead of on athleticism and technique. But I can tell you, you know, the Nationals here in St. Louis, and we have a great group of folks here that run the tables and they do a fantastic job at it's one of the things that gets preached to those guys. Hey, you got to be right. You got to make sure you got it right. And if you got it wrong, it's okay. But you got to say something right away because it changes how mm-hmm. kids wrestle and it changes how kids are coached. So I don't know what the right solution is. And I'm, I'm sure if I put something out there, just get a bunch of tweets and stuff saying I was wrong. So you know, but I just hope they do it right. You know, I just, you know, I hope they yeah. follow it because the kids, you just want the kids to get what they earned. That's really what I like to see. So, yep. Um, one other thing too, and it's, it's kind of come to me here and I've seen some, some discussion about it a little bit on social media, but, uh, you know, the, the overtime system, one minute on the feet, 30 up, 30 down, one minute on the feet, 30 up, 30 down. It just seems like we're getting so many stoppages, especially now in, in this scramble environment, um, where that minute goes by and you you might only see one good scramble, one attack and one good scramble. And then, then the clock's up. I, I don't know how you feel. I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts uh, about, you know, going to two minutes on the feet and then going a minute up, minute down. I think they got to simplify it. Right. And I think you get slippery and, you know, I mean, we were watching the duel and we were watching 49 and nobody had been warned. And when Kalika stood up, I said to my dad, I go, he, you know, Sorensen's got to drop to a leg, you know, and kill five seconds, and that didn't happen. I Honestly, I almost like one part of the freestyle rule where it's like, okay, one guy's always winning. You know, it's, if it's tied and we each have the same number of scores and cautions and or warnings or whatever the case may be and, you know, number of two-point moves, et cetera, you know, you got the dot next to who's winning. I wouldn't mind seeing it be a tie. And if, you know, if you have the criteria, we go at the tie. And if nobody scores in a minute, Andy wins. I think you'd see a lot of action in that minute. And, you know, and then stalling comes into play, and you have push-out rules basically now. So, I mean, I think that would change a lot. I think you just make it quicker. And and it's hard for people to follow. People don't, you know, we're trying to bring fans to it. And, like, okay, well, he's kind of winning. Well, yeah, he got out first, but the other guy gets to go down. So he's not really – actually – 
it took him 25 seconds to get out, so he's going to be losing in a minute on riding time. Like, what? Yeah. You know, it's, yep. it's, it's hard for people to follow. Like, yep. nerds like me get it, but I'm going to watch no matter what the rules are. So yeah. I think, yeah, we, I think we it's – Yeah, we rewind they, to that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, just, I think they need to simplify it. I don't know what the right answer is, but I think they need to simplify it so that people understand. You know, we want yeah. – we want decisiveness. Yep. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we talk about we talked about it here a couple of weeks ago. The match between Michael Kemmerer and Tyler Berger was one of the most entertaining bouts of the season so far, but there were so many stoppages in that match, you know, for reviews and, and 30, you know, the 30-second breaks. And, um, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right on, on the standpoint of, you know, we want to bring new fans in. And, and you know, there's some stuff there that, that probably needs to be ironed out. Look yeah. ahead to uh, this weekend. We got some big duels coming up. Uh, uh-huh. Lots of stuff coming up that could shape the pairings for the NWCA D1 National Duels Championship Series. Edinburgh at Ryder, uh, Nebraska at Minnesota, Cornell at Lehigh, and and we've touched on it a little bit. The big one, Penn State at Iowa. Some tremendous. Um, individual matchups that we're, that we're going to see this weekend, David. What, what do you have your eye on uh, on the I, upcoming schedule? I just printed off a list, so it's not necessarily in the best order, but 10 at Lehigh, I'm looking forward to 74, Kent and Preach, 65, Imar against Logan Massa. Um, like I said, Logan's dad actually wrestled for my dad, so that's that's a that's a cool match to watch. Nebraska and Minnesota, 125 and 157 are going to be great matchups there. I think we talked about short and you know his up and downness. <laughs> if he won, it wouldn't actually be shocking. And then you got Lambert and, and Backpack wrestling each other. Um, Oklahoma State and West Virginia. There's a couple good matchups there at 65 and 97. Uh, 174. Uh, Ramos against Valencia. I think that's a rematch from earlier in the year where it was a really close match. Like Valencia got out to a big lead and held on. Um, Penn State, Iowa. It's funny. I wrote down like seven weight classes. So I guess pretty much that whole duel is going to be really interesting. Um, Cornell, Lehigh against 74 if, if Preach gets to wrestle uh, Rio Budo. Uh, Central Michigan and Missouri. 49 is a big match there. Justin Oliver and Mays. Uh, South Dakota State, Oklahoma State. There's a couple big matches there, but 33 is the, the gigantic match. Um, Virginia, Virginia Tech, 125, Mueller and Joey Dance. And then um, if Nazer's back, Connor Schramm and uh, Nazer, 133. And then maybe Jim Wilson against Valencia, against Arizona State, Stanford. So lots of cool stuff to watch. And like you said, this shapes the national duels. And, you know, we've talked about the fact that I don't really pay attention to the dual meet scores that much, but when it starts affecting who we're going to see in these matchups late in the year, then you, you do pay more attention because, you, you know, you're interested in seeing matchups. I mean, it's possible Iowa wrestles Oklahoma State again, you know, that you know, or, or you know, that could be for first, that could be for third. I mean, you just don't know. It, it could go a lot of different ways, so it's super interesting. Yeah, it's sort of looking like the Cowboys are are uh, in pretty prime position, though, to host that championship duel on February 19th. Uh, you mentioned seven things. Uh, you got written down Penn State at Iowa. What are you most eager to find out in that dual meet? 
Well, if I just go by weight class, Soriano Gilman's super interesting. I mean, they both are wrestling great. I mean, Soriano won 16-2 to two or something like that on Friday and looked ticked off about it. Um, Gilman's wrestling great, you know, and he don't mind riling up the fans. He's going to be at home this time. 41, you know, Gulabon and Carton, that's that's a really interesting match because they're both kind of rounded 12 guys in the rankings, and if, if that'll affect the seeds at the Big Ten, and it'll also affect seeds at Nationals and who punches through and scores points. 49, I think we've seen this, but, you know, can Sorensen bounce back? 57, what, that's Young Guns rematch, right? I mean, yep. Yep. Uh, if if Strip Matters there, does he just sit on the 50 yard line? Do they just get him a seat at the head table? Is that how that works? So, I haven't talked to Jody. Know. I don't know if he's going to be out there or not. But uh, we exchanged a couple texts the other day, and uh, you know, I told him that uh, you know he's done a heck of a job with those two. Those, those two guys are two of the most fun guys in the country to watch. And, yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting. They've uh, they've rolled around a lot. I think I asked Kemmer back in November. Um, how long him and Nolf have been going at it. And he said uh, probably since, I think he said since they were like six or something. Yeah. So they, they know each other for sure. Um, I think the interesting a, thing about that to me is he's not scared, right? I mean, a lot of these guys that wrestle Nolf are scared, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be, but they look scared. He's not going to be scared. You know, they've been, unless Nolf's been killing them for 15 years, which I don't think has been happening. But, you know, if they wrestle and they're close – okay, we're going to have a one-point match, and it's going to be on TV. I mean, I think that's how he's looking at it, you know? Yeah. And then I think that 25 and 57 are like the matches of the meet, but 74 is interesting because Morelli and Meyer are ranked really close together. 84, we talked about Nickel and Brooks. I mean, definitely going to be a highlight, real match. And then heavyweight, you got Listed Styles, you know, and you got a guy that, you know, can um, – you know, how will Neville do? Can he follow the game plan that Schaefer and will, you know, will we get, you know, will we get stolen, you know, get on his offense and do a little more than push, you know, because I'm sure that's what Iowa wants. I'm sure they want him, you know, going after holds and trying to score points. And it's super interesting. I mean, if Iowa wrestles good, I think five matches. And if they wrestle poorly, they might win one or two. So, I mean, it, it, it's it's really interesting. It's really really interesting, and and you you brought this up before I even knew about it. Their schedule, you know, with Oklahoma State, and then with they wrestle Penn State, and then they wrestle Ohio State, and you know, and they wrestled Michigan before this. I mean, it, it it's murderers row for these guys. So it's it's going to be really interesting to watch them run the gauntlet. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think uh, you know I don't have Iowa's schedule up in front of me, but I think. Uh, you know, I don't know what they have the, the first weekend of February, but I know the uh, second weekend of February they have Nebraska coming to Carver Hawk Arena. So um, actually, here it is. They have, they have uh, the first weekend of February they have Wisconsin and Minnesota, and then Nebraska the following weekend, Indiana and Nebraska. So they've got uh, you know you're looking at wow. if you're in the track wrestling rankings in in for January. Michigan's right now we have Michigan at number eight. Iowa had them. They have number one Oklahoma State, number two Penn State, number three Ohio State, number ten Minnesota, number eleven Wisconsin, number six Nebraska. So uh the Hawkeyes are hitting just about everybody except uh 
I think Cornell and and, and Missouri well, and, and Virginia Tech. So and they might very well wrestle Virginia Tech or Missouri in the national duels on the nineteenth, right? Yeah. Yep. I so they I think there's a good possibility much, that, that we'll, they could pretty much hit if they're in the top ten. So there's nine other schools. They could hit eight of them or seven of them. That's insane. Yep. yep. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Well, They'll be battle You mentioned tested. the Hawkeyes. You mentioned the Hawkeyes. We're talking about the Hawkeyes. We're going to have a interview later in the week uh, that Hawkeye fans are going to want to listen to. David is going to be joined this week on Matt Chat by Iowa Associate Head Coach Terry Brands. Uh, that should be uh, a fun discussion. I, I'm anxious to listen to that one. Um, <laughs> we're also going to be having uh, – uh, you know, the, the college notebooks, we're going to have those coming up on on trackwrestling.com here in the next couple of weeks. So you can check out uh, the work that our correspondents have been doing on all eight Division One conferences. We had a multi-divisional notebook that went up on the site on Monday. Um, going to be plenty of uh, stuff preview on the weekend, looking at things from a dual standpoint and an individual standpoint. Uh, so be sure to check out trackwrestling.com for that. You can also check out uh, David's rankings on trackwrestling.com. If you're listening to us on the portal now, you can also download and listen on the go at uh, uh, on iTunes at the Matt Talk Podcast Network. If you already listened to us on the Matt Talk Podcast Network, check out all the content on trackwrestling.com. Thank you again, as always, for joining us this week. Thank you, David Mercatani. It's always my pleasure, Andy. Love talking to you. Likewise, and thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.